I'm Dr. Gene Hansen. For more than 25 years, I've been answering your financial questions on Atlanta's longest-running and most respected money show on radio. This is Money Talks, providing honest, straightforward answers to your financial questions. This broadcast of Money Talks originally aired on Saturday, May 13, 2017. The excessive decline in the dollar. Lack of better word. Late rally on Wall Street. Too big to fail. Growing the economy. Growing the economy. Welcome. This is Money Talks. Good morning. You're listening to Money Talks, Atlanta's longest-running, most respected money show on the radio. I'm Troy Harmon. I'm here today with Jarrett McKenzie and Casey Smith. Carl, right. mm-hmm. better known as Carl. It's Carl with a K. <laughs> Both of these guys uh, hold the uh, CFP designation. Uh, Jarrett That's went right. one more. Uh, what'd you get? It was a. Uh, That's a CWS. I was trying to be a little bit of an overachiever there. But, yeah, oh, uh, yeah. No, you know. I mean, you really went, went the distance. <laughs> not really, not really. That that kind of fell into that. I'm glad that I did. Uh, it certainly has helped in the past, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's... Certified Wealth Strategist that's is right. what we got there. That's right. All right. So CFP is the Certified Financial Planner. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a designation or two. I'm yeah, you got not to brag you know, or anything. A few yeah. of them, right? Yeah, what we got, a CVA now, CFA? Working yeah, on the CPA. Working. <laughs> that sounds like a Man, song or something. Speaking of overachievers. Working on the CPA. Man. Yeah. Anyway. You're going to be taking over our job before too long. No. <laughs> That'd be a no. Uh, I prefer to watch the stock market and help yeah. you guys with your clients. Uh, I'll look at the stocks, and you guys can do the financial planning. Well, we get some good help from you, Troy, so we wouldn't want to lose you to... To the planning department, of wow, course. Wow, you're, you're unusually nice today, Jared. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate we just that. called Jared up here about five seconds ago, and yeah. he decided yeah. to pinch hit for us. So well, we moved yeah. up to the major leagues. That's trying right. to avoid any call-outs on today's show, so, you know. No, no so. call-outs. Well, we're well, pretty, pretty early hey, on for that. We though. have taken yeah, we his got, rubber ball time. away. <laughs> Last time we were on the air oh, with goodness. Jared, he dropped the ball, literally. literally. Yeah. Drop the ball. You could hear it bouncing off into the distance, <laughs> a hard rubber ball. Why Don't, in the world did you have the You know, ball? it's something yeah. I've been carrying around all day. I'm not even sure why I had it with me, but uh, it yeah. sure made for a good laugh on radio. So whatever I can do to lighten the mood, yeah. you know, happy to do it. We can yeah. always use some mood lightning. <laughs> not, <laughs> well, not to be confused with mood lighting. Mm. It, it is different. And the lights yeah. are very bright in here today. Yeah, so it's a good thing. We are definitely not using the mood lighting. And get your hand uh, off my knee. <laughs> This is a family uh, show. I, I do appreciate the fact that when we called Jarrett, his his reply, not real enthusiastic, but it was, I reckon. I reckon. At least that's what yeah, we heard trying, from, from the way that it was trying translated. Trying to take care of clients. I got, I got, a, got a book of business to, to uh, tend to. But, of All course, right. I'm always available for you guys. So. There you go. Well, thanks, Jarrett. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to have you here as well. Uh, market, stock market up. 7.68% on the year, up slightly this week. Uh, Jared must have said it was going down last week, but since he wasn't on the show, we'll just have to estimate that's what he did. I was thinking. Uh, market's up 0.23% on the week. Energy, look at energy. I think we were up 3% at one point yesterday, uh, Wednesday. 
Um, May 10th, would that have been? Uh, for the week, energy is up 2.88%, almost 3% on the week. Yeah, coming back from double digits in the negative for the year down to uh, down only almost 9%. <laughs> yeah, it's only down <laughs> year 9%. To, year to date. Where, where is the price per barrel now? Do you Have you looked at that lately? Uh, uh, high, mid-40s, I think yeah. it is. Yeah, so um, it's been the same old story. Right. Uh, how much supply? So and we've seen a lot of volatility there with the price per barrel, but not so much. I mean, it looks like there's been more volatility in the stock's price or the sector's price than there right. has been in the price per barrel, right? Well, is there not a yeah, direct correlation there? There is, but one of the big stories that we've been following all earnings season, and I do have a few numbers on that, uh, energy sector uh, growth in sales, negative uh, 146. Uh, the growth in uh, well, no, this is earning. These are surprises. Sorry, uh, surprises negative one four six. Uh, earnings surprise, twenty one percent better than expected in earnings. Uh, the growth uh, for the energy sector sales thirty three percent higher relative to first quarter two thousand sixteen. Wow. Uh, Where uh, it's not measurable, it's kind of off the charts. Uh, earnings uh, growth has has been so robust in the first quarter. Uh, you know, again, we're getting a, a failure of our uh, technology to tell us what it is, but it's been mm -hmm. substantial. Uh, if you look at the overall market, 15.53% growth in earnings first quarter. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, that's uh, in, in my opinion, this is the piece that I've been waiting for. Uh, the market takes off, uh, you know, supposedly we're looking at uh, – uh, less regulation, uh, lower taxes, those sorts of things. Since the election, the market's up over 13%. Um, now we're starting to get that earnings follow-through. So, you know, the, the price in the market doesn't look near as expensive when you start seeing earnings grow at, at uh, higher levels. Uh, really expecting more on, on uh, par with a 20 low 20s, I'd say 21, 22% uh, earnings growth rate in 2017. So, um, you know, I was a skeptic until I started seeing some of those numbers. Uh, I'll take them. Yeah. It's, uh, it's one of those things. I, you know, it, we do well when our investors do well. Our investors do well when earnings are better. Yep. Uh, market's looking pretty attractive at the moment. Uh, when you start seeing earnings like this. So uh, market, just just through the earnings season, we didn't spike real high. We're up 1% or 2% over the last couple of months. But uh, all things considered, uh, the good earnings is a, is a is great news. Sure. Uh, so, uh, it seems like last time I was on the show, you talked a little bit about the market maybe looking a little bit expensive, not not yeah. terribly so historically. So is that changing is what you said with the earnings? Uh, a little bit. It's still it's still probably still high, premium high. of around 20. We're starting to see a few companies here and there that uh, don't look near as high. Right. Um, but, you know, if you look at looking for strength in, uh, in earnings, uh, consumer discretionary, some of the industrial companies, uh, the, the more cyclical names uh, have been looking strong, which probably bodes well for, uh, uh, for strength in the business cycle at the moment. Sure. I know, uh, you know, the story all along since our last recession, since early 2009, uh, has been – we haven't seen much growth in uh, in the economy. Right. Uh, this is a this is a good sign that we might be seeing a little better. Um, you know, it's uh, the the lowered expectations or expectations of lowered regulation uh, is, in my opinion, not long term sustainable. We've got to see some follow through in that. Yeah. Uh, we did get uh, a vote last week in in healthcare. Talked about that a little bit in you guys' absence, but. Uh, 
um, all things considered, we still haven't gotten any of those regulations through. Right. Um, I'd love to see some changes in that. I think it, it is good. Obviously, regulation is, is uh, necessary, but it's also expensive for companies. Uh, anything that's expensive is going to eat into profits and earnings yeah. for, for uh, our investors, our the companies that we invest in. So um, all things considered, uh, we could probably – we I believe we overdid it a little bit coming off the, the last recession. There were – as always, you know, you see the blame game and fingers pointed and whose fault it is, and then we're going to regulate to make sure it never happens again. Yeah. Um, overdid it, you mean by regulation? Yeah, regulation. overdid it with the regulation. That's, right. yeah. that's yeah. the point I'm making. So, uh, you know, all things considered, I think I think it's a, a good, healthy sign that we've got uh, uh, such strong earnings lately. Uh, we did get a few economic releases over the past week. Uh, last Friday, we saw un- the employment situation come out. U.S. job growth rebounded in April, uh, rose by 211,000. Uh, private employment increased 194,000, the bulk of the growth in uh, um, professional business services. Uh, expectation, I think, total versus that 211 was down around 190,000 jobs. So uh, better than expected in the uh, employment situation. And, you know, we're still, we've got an unemployment rate, uh, 4.4%. We've got to be very, very near full employment. Yeah, we're uh, at the lowest level since 2006 in terms of the employment, unemployment rate. But uh, part of that, this past um you know, this past reading was due to the labor force participation rate dropping a little bit as well. Right. Um, so that that helps your helps your unemployment rate to go down. Um, when you got fewer people playing the fewer game. Fewer people in the in the yeah exactly in yeah. the job pool. But you know, all things considered, we're still very close to full employment, if not at full employment. You right. have to think. Yeah, uh, we got information on wholesale trade. Um, looks like inventory bill closed the uh, first quarter with soft gains, so uh, it is up, but it, it's uh, not too strong. Uh, this is a weekly number of MBA mortgage applications. They were up last week, uh, despite unfavorable movements in the interest rates. Um, looks like uh, composite index was uh, up 2.4, refinance index increased 3.3%. Uh, purchase index moved 1.7% higher, so everything. It's a little, a little bit odd that the uh, refis. You know, applications, refis, and, and even purchase index moving higher with the interest rates being up. Well, um, uh, maybe. Expectations I, of future increases in the in the interest rate. Maybe so, yeah. So, And here's the thing. I, I really struggle to imagine who it is that hasn't refinanced. We've had such a long run of low interest rates. I can't imagine that you're going to lower the interest rate very much at oh, this yeah. point anyway. But well, you know what I've been seeing a, a, a few times in the past few weeks is uh, clients wanting to consolidate loans, a second mortgage or something else, and maybe, maybe know, that's trying it. to get get uh, take advantage of these rates while still relatively low. Yeah, it's probably not a bad idea. Talking about the rates, uh, two-year rose eight basis points, five-year was uh, – up seven, still not huge jumps, you know, but uh, more or less across the board between eight and ten percent, or eight and ten basis points. Boy, that'd be a, cra- a crazy jump, wouldn't yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> um, so 0.1 percent, 0.08 percent to 0.1 percent is what we're talking about there. Mm-hmm. Guys, let's take a quick break. We'll come back and uh, wow you with some information on a case study. Stick around. You're listening to Money Talks.
Dog of the Week. All right, guys, Dog of the Week this week. Um, we're talking about, uh, it's not really so much a dog, uh, it, I guess, unless you stop and consider just what scientists spend their time on. But uh, there is a new uh, study out that says swearing appears to make you stronger. And hmm. they're saying that while you work out, if you curse, and they did a study and allowed <laughs> folks to either curse or use this neutral word, the people hmm. that cussed actually got stronger. They, they uh, were oh, able to measure their that. heart activity. And, and initially what they were thinking, here's, here's the, the end of the story, they don't know why. They can't determine exactly why. Initially, they thought that uh, the the uh, cursing actually elicited the fight or flight syndrome. So you mm-hmm. you know your hackles get up. Right. Not you, Jerry. You don't really have much hair to have hackles, but uh, that's right. No, no offense. No, no, don't take it. Oh, I awesome. like this look. Oh yeah, you're a beautiful man, no doubt. <laughs> uh, Gee, thanks, Troy. Yeah. Anyway, um, the uh, the the. End of the story is they they believe that it's true that uh, people who exercise while cursing, uh, it, I usually maybe curse just, all the time when I exercise. Do, I mean, yeah, you hear me. I mean, just getting into the <laughs> yeah, gym yeah. would make you curse. That's right. Right. Just walking in there, yeah. and start cursing. Uh, maybe yeah, that's I, I, that's I don't good know if enough. I'm any stronger though. Yeah, you you don't check. have to break a sweat. Just just walk in the gym and curse, and maybe they, maybe you get stronger that way. That's yeah. amazing. There's a correlation there. I can't. Uh, uh, yeah, well, the, you're uh, not the only like one. It's like a control group can't. problem or something. Yeah. Yeah. People who are cursing were they, also on HGH. <laughs> they, <laughs> exactly. they had. Uh, well, I mean, I'm, I'm sure that they got people that were commonly working out anyway. But they said that uh, you know they they had I think it was just 27 people on either side, um, the control group taking uh, the option to say a neutral word. I'm not sure exactly how that sounds, yeah. um, but it surely had no correlation to their strength. So maybe maybe the, the ultimate finding is that uh, strong people swear. I, you know, maybe it's backwards. It's, there's no real correlation. It's spurious. But uh, yeah. anyway, I, people will spend their money on anything. I searched and searched in this story to find out just how much of it the government funded, I couldn't mm-hmm. find anything, but I wouldn't be yeah, surprised if it 100%. came out that, uh, that the government was was the folks behind. It. And this is the second study. The first uh, the first such study was where they uh, they discovered at this point they had already discovered that you know cursing makes you stronger. So uh, I'm not sure if it works in traffic for those of you that are listening being... in your car. Maybe it's uh, it's it's <laughs> You're not getting stronger help you right much. now. Yeah. <laughs> Probably so. They're, they're going to open I-85. up I-85 on Monday. Don't worry. That's, that's right. The I-85 bridge <laughs> is supposed to be open at some point this weekend. Mm. You know, it should should make you weaker. I guess yeah. if that be the case. But anyway, what they're now trying to figure out is whether or not it is that fight or flight. I think they've pretty much put that to bed that it's not the fight or flight because in this case uh the folks were working out <laughs> cursing i'm not sure if that's what about a, being cursed at that, I mean, <laughs> that seems like that, you were in the military right troy oh was i ever yeah <laughs> yeah they talk bad to you a yeah. time or two in the military maybe that's what they were thinking yeah maybe that's their tactic make you stronger uh, whatever doesn't kill you yeah. i guess i guess um, anyway so we've beaten this one to death guys we've got a situation i Bill sure. doesn't like the word. I heard you say it before break. I didn't want to say anything, though. All right, so Sorry. we'll just go to the situation. Uh, 
You guys want to run with this? It sounds like we've got uh, Garrett has been offered an incentive package to retire from the company, basically two full years' salary. Uh, He's been with uh, the factory for 37 years. It's his second job, started at age 20. You don't see that too often anymore. Uh, not, not too often. Just uh, He had just proposed to Elizabeth, his wife, and uh, the new salary would allow her to be a housewife. Uh, in the last few years, Elizabeth began freelancing as a photographer for hire, uh, working with businesses, agencies, etc. Uh, she only accepts contract worth work, uh, thus she receives a 1099 rather than run her own business. Uh, they're enrolled in a 401K, or he is. Uh, because HR told him to do it. That's probably yeah. not the best reason, but it is smart to be in a 401K. Uh, it's all tax-deferred 401K contributions. Um, uh, so biggest issue here is he's he's looking what to do with uh, whether or not he retires, and if so, what does that look like? Sure. Yeah, I mean, and he's been offered a, a package here, to an incentive package to retire. He's 57, um, and in the the biggest consideration in this case is that he's – uh, basically, all of his assets are tied up in his company stock. So he's been participating in the in the company stock match plan, uh, which has basically allowed him, or stock bonus plan rather. So essentially, allowing him to uh, accumulate a large amount of company stock. He's got about 1.6 million tied up in in a company in a deferred, uh, you know, tax deferred account, mm-hmm. um, in, in basically all in company stock. So there is a strategy um, that is. I guess it's a little bit more well-known now than it used yeah. to be, but it's uh, it's called net unrealized appreciation. Right. So, Jarrett, what, what does that mean? Yeah, you know, this is actually something that we see, I don't know if I would go as far as to say commonly, but it is something that we've seen quite a few times given that, you know, the baby boomer generation does seem to uh, be one of the generations that stuck around at a job for quite some time and also were uh, employed during a time when this was very common. And by this, I mean uh, part of the benefits package of some of these larger employers, be it private Procter & Gamble, Coca-Cola, Home Depot, you know, big, large blue chip companies like that did entice employees with uh, providing them with company stock. It was a big part of their incentive package. And, you know, they got a discount immediately somewhere probably around 15%. And so there was even more incentive to put money into the company stock. And now, you know, after doing that for for Garrett, uh, in this case, for instance, he was there for 37 years. So you do that for long enough. Uh, it doesn't take much to accumulate uh, what he has, which is about $1.6 million. And, you know, like Casey said, he's he's looking for a strategy to optimize maybe uh, some of his taxes upon uh, retiring and rolling that money over. And uh, one of the strategies we use for that is called the net unrealized appreciation. And what it is is uh, it does allow him to roll his company's stock. Uh, well, the let me back up. The only the portion of the account that is invested in company stock is available for this, right? So you cannot invest or, or roll over any of the other monies in that account that are not invested in the company stock. Only the portion which is uh, invested in the company can be um, utilized against the net unrealized depreciation. So basically, when you retire and you take a lump sum distribution, the NUA rules allow you to transfer that company stock into a brokerage account. Uh, and you'll pay ordinary income tax only on the share's cost basis, which would then allow for the appreciated market value of that stock to be taxed at long-term capital gains. So, you know, in this study we're looking at, if Garrett's stock is worth $1.6 million, let's say he paid $250,000 for that stock over the course of that 37 years, 
years. Well, the $1.35 million that he now has in gains uh, can be taxed at a long-term capital gains rate instead of the ordinary income tax rate, which is what it would have been taxed at had he rolled it into an IRA and then began to take distributions over time. So clearly a big advantage there from a tax standpoint. Uh, it's not quite that simplistic <laughs> from a logistics standpoint, but but is a very big uh, advantage and the, the the consideration that really you get, you need to to make is whether you know when are you going to need this money you know the the biggest thing for the biggest issue with having such a high concentration of your portfolio in one company is obviously diversification issues right. if something yep. happens to that company then your your whole nest egg is depleted you know if a company's stock drops twenty percent then everything that you've got drops twenty percent and and, so, and if you think about it it can be something uh, relatively simple that can cause that, either, you know, the company becoming less uh, uh, relevant in, in a, a new market or, yeah. I mean, even as bad as maybe the CEO does mm-hmm. something scandalous. It, well, look at Enron it, or, some, or WorldCom. Exactly. One of yeah, I mean, you, can, you wouldn't want to end up like that. Yeah. Uh, not so. being well diversified can give you some pretty significant risk. Sure. So the, the NUA strategy, net unrealized appreciation strategy, allows you to kind of you could diversify it out anyway. You know, if you were to roll over the entire balance of your plan, you retire, separate service from the company. You can roll it over into an IRA account. Um, it's tax-free. You can sell the stock inside of that IRA account, and and you don't pay any tax on it at that time when you sell it. But you do end up paying ordinary income tax when you take the money out of the IRA. So if you you know roll it over, especially if you're not 59 and a half yet, which Garrett's 57. So if he were to retire today and he needs some of that money. Um, if he were to roll it to an IRA and then take a distribution from his IRA, he's going to end up paying ordinary income on that money, which it, you know could be up to you know 40% federal, roughly right. 39.6. That's quite a haircut. Um, yeah, that's a big that's a big haircut for sure. Um, yeah, plus the penalty if he was still 57. Plus yeah, yeah. 10% penalty for t- early withdrawal. So if he actually needs some of the money now, he can elect the NUA. Uh, he has up to a year, I believe, to to make that election mm-hmm. uh, before he you know distributes it from the plan. Um, once he once he decides to take it out of the plan, he's got to take it take everything out of the plan. So he can take what he wants, use the NUA strategy for the company stock, move that into a brokerage account, pay ordinary income tax on his cost basis, um, and then everything else is taxed at long-term capital gains rates once he sells it, even if he sells it the next day. It doesn't have to actually be held for the one-year holding period as a normal long-term capital gain would. Mm-hmm. So there's a good benefit there. Uh, he also doesn't have to take, from my understanding, the entire – Amount of the company stock. So if, if he just needs sure. hundred thousand to live off of for the next you know year or two, whatever, he could take that amount out, pay the taxes on it, ordinary income on his percentage, his proportion of basis, um, pay long-term capital gains on the rest, and leave the rest in the IRA, um, roll the rest over to an IRA. Big yeah. tax benefit. Yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. And uh, we always need to concern concern our selves with the after-tax portion of our investments. I know it's uh, easy to get caught up in that number that's on the statement, but it's not always how much you're going to be able to spend. Absolutely. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Stick around. You're listening to Money Talks. What am I to wake up suddenly and then? When you're pregnant, you start reading about the cost of having a baby. When you start reading about the cost of having a baby, you learn about the cost of sending that baby to college and immediately start saving all your money in a 529 plan. When you save all your money in a 529 plan, you save no money in your 401k, thinking your son will get a business degree from Harvard and take care of you in retirement. When you think your son will take care of you in retirement, he changes majors and gets a degree 
degree in jazz studies. When he gets a degree in jazz studies, he moves back home with you, and you have to support him. When you have to support him, you don't get to retire. Don't be forced to work through retirement to support your jazz-loving adult son. Stop investing without a plan and upgrade to Money Talks. This is Money Talks. You know, I think those things get longer every time. Uh, some of them are long. <laughs> I mean, that's all. It's good stuff. You think about those things, right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's good points. No doubt. Yeah. Jazz studies, huh? Yeah. yeah you know, they, um, there's, a, there's an old joke, and I've probably told it on the air too many times at this point, but uh, you know the difference between a, a jazz studies degree and a large pizza? Uh, the large pizza will feed a family of four. <laughs> there you go. See you all right. week, folks. Yep. <laughs> well, I don't know about Every that. Thursday, anyway. Uh, yeah. Uh, you can listen on Saturday. Saturday. That's, that's, that's right. right. We were cool uh, Thursday. Exactly. Uh, Jared, you had one more point you wanted to make about yeah. the, the uh, NUA before we leave the subject. So Exactly. Yeah, just something important for you guys out there to consider if you are thinking about doing this, because I know there still are a lot of clients coming our way that, that do have quite a bit of their uh, nest egg, if you will, tied up in company stock, and so it's something that we, we at least bring up with them each time. If, if you've ever been inclined to start a business uh, and you'd like to maybe give that a try upon retirement, given that you're going to have some extra time on your hands, uh, you may consider actually doing that, and so, you know, for, at at least for the first couple of years, if you don't show a profit, uh, you would get to take those losses uh, against some of this uh, tax hit that you may take in doing the net unrealized appreciation. Granted, as we said before, that tax hit should be a little bit lower than if you had otherwise rolled it to an IRA and then began to take it out uh, in that manner. But, again, there, there will still be a tax implication here. And, and like I said, if, if you would like to try and um, you know build a strategy to uh, minimize that tax impact of doing that and you've ever been inclined to... Uh, to run your own business, then it's certainly worth giving it a try because what have you got to lose? It's a great time to do it is my point. And so uh, if any of you guys out there are considering this and want uh, any help in, in strategizing with that, come see us. Uh, we're Give here. Jared a call, 770-429-9166. Yes, yeah, sir. That is actually the same number that you can call if you have financial questions you'd like to ask uh, or have us answer on the air. Uh, we have a, a, a voice question hotline as well. You can call eight one eight five five. Four two nine nine one six six. You can leave your message, and uh, we'll re- we'll have it recorded. We'll play it on the air and answer your question behind it. Uh, or again, you know, you can you can uh, give us a call, talk to a human being, and we'll get the same uh, result. Uh, you can also email us, Dr. Gene at Hensler dot com. That's H E N S S L E R dot com. Uh, that's where you can find our website as well. If you uh, Type into Google, Hensler.com. You will very likely find us. Uh, lots of information on our website uh, about our uh, investment philosophies, our financial planning ideas, uh, other ways to contact us, uh, social media, whatnot. And we've got quite a few questions over the past week uh, that we can answer for you. Uh, just as well start with this first one here, guys. Uh, Vince from Mableton. It says, uh, I was explaining the stock, stock market to my son. Great idea. Uh, And he asked if he could invest in the NASDAQ. I explained that the NASDAQ is an exchange, but then realized uh, so is ICE. And I've heard you recommend that one before. So I looked up NASDAQ. Sure enough, it's publicly traded 
Uh, what do you think of it as a holding? Uh, is it better than ICE? Uh, one thing I would say is, uh, surely you've vetted this, but uh, you know you can invest in the NASDAQ as well, which means the, the holdings in the NASDAQ index, mm-hmm. um, which um, you can easily do is that a little bit ETF. different. Yeah, you uh, can do that. So you, you get exposure to, uh, uh, I forget how many the, as far as the number of stocks, but uh, that's different than what we're talking about here. NASDAQ Incorporated is... Uh, a, a provider of trading, clearing, uh, exchange technology, regulatory security listings, uh, those sorts of things. So it's a trading platform, basically, uh, very similar to ICE. Um, I think the reason that uh, that he mentioned ICE is the fact that we do recommend that one to our uh, investors, and we have talked about it on the air. ICE is Intercontinental Exchange, and when you compare the two, they're very similar in uh, in the type of business that the two of them do. Um, you look deeper, and you'll find uh, market cap on Nasdaq's 11 billion. Uh, ICE is about three times that size. Uh, both of the companies have have looked to acquire as a, a way to grow. ICE actually is a uh, a, a lot more active in that particular uh, activity as far as acquiring other uh, trading platforms. Uh, if you look at the growth in earnings over the past. Uh, five years, um, 11.5% for ICE, NASDAQ about 8.3%. Profitability, NASDAQ's a little more profitable, but I think the earnings growth is actually what's uh, giving ICE the boost. Obviously, uh, I prefer, uh, recommend ICE if if, uh, your son is looking for an investment in that way. Uh, one of the things that's interesting to think about and talk about these days is the fact that uh, a lot of these companies are using electronic trading. They've got the electronic platform. They're using algorithms. They've got other people plugged in using algorithms to uh, trade on the, the platforms. And, uh, you know, we talk about it a lot, how um, uh, we talk about it a lot in our research department. I'll say that, uh, how volatility has actually declined over the past few years uh, in the market. I really believe the more we go uh, toward that uh, electronic trading, uh, the, the more volatility is likely to be squeezed out of the market. Uh, I don't think it's all gone. There's still enough humans that are trading, and the human has loads of emotion, and when they, uh, when they become afraid that things are, are going to go bad, then we'll probably see that kick up in the future. Um, but we have, since 2009, seen quite a bit less uh, emotion uh, volatility yeah, and what a, the, in the market. They measure volatility by the VIX. Is that yeah, and it's measure? it is, and and the VIX uh, is is actually not true volatility. It's expectations of volatility sure. going forward that are derived from the options market prices in the options market. Right. So, um, you know, even even that's something that uh, we're all looking trying to forecast in the future. Um, and I don't know of very many machines that are doing that or, or providing it. But uh, point is, uh, these trading platforms, I think, are here to stay. You're probably going to see uh, quite a bit of that. Uh, no matter what happens, uh, the, the passive strategies that seem to be more and more popular these days uh, are all traded electronically, no matter what you got going on. Uh, as you probably have derived by now, uh, I prefer if you're going to invest in one of these trading exchanges, I would uh, I would recommend Intercontinental Exchange symbol ICE. Um, again, you know, limited debt, 40% debt to equity relative to 66% for the Nasdaq. Um, all things considered, they're both uh, profitable businesses. It's just the really where where I stands out is the earnings growth. So there you have it. Um,
We've got uh, got another one here, guys. Um, KC, do you have a preference over these? Maybe you just launch off with one of your own. Yeah, well, Blake from Morningside uh, is asking, how can I better manage my short-term cash reserve? I tried keeping my cushion, my cushion in my savings account, but my bank requires a huge balance in both savings and checking before I can have an interest-bearing account. Do I just let this money sit? Um, yeah, that's a good question. You know, a, a lot of kind of what we do from time to time is help clients manage their cash, especially, uh, you know, as things are invested and mature, uh, fixed income securities or um, uh, interest gets paid or dividends get paid to the account. we got to figure out what do we do with the cash and whether it goes back into into stocks or back into fixed income and, and what's the best way to manage that. Um, for somebody who's just looking to set aside, you know, sort of a, a short-term savings, uh, sort of an emergency reserve you know, we typically recommend at least three to six months of your spending needs be set aside in some type of, you know, pretty liquid cash money market type of account um, for any kind of emergencies that would crop up. Um, so, you know, I, I'm not sure what the the a lot of banks may require a large balance to to get any real significant interest on your account. Of course, you're not going to find significant interest, whatever that means, in, in hardly any kind of cash-type <laughs> account these days. Yeah, I think days. significant interest probably would be best described as interest that gives you a return in excess of inflation, and that's tough to do these And that's days. hard mm-hmm. to find in, in yeah. really in any kind of fixed investment, even yeah, money markets, treasuries. I mean, it, yeah, a money market is generally paying maybe slightly above 1% at this point, yeah. and inflation's above 2 So Yeah, and, and yeah. the thing to watch for money markets is they changed some of the regulations around those. What was at the end of last year? They did, um, yeah. Allowing allowing money markets to uh, potentially float, depending on um, you know whether it's a, a government backed money market or uh, or if it has any corporate uh, corporate bonds um, yeah. inside of it. Corporate commercial paper, I guess, is, is right. probably more likely. Um, so That's a great point, actually, Casey. Some of the other things that they did in connection with that is uh, they've they've got ways that they can limit the liquidity if uh, if things go bad exactly. in those money markets, and that's definitely something that I would be very wary of uh, if you're dealing in that uh, you know watching your cash in a money market. Yeah, whether or not you can get it. Uh, at any time or if the company can restrict your access to your own money. Yeah, and those are going to be offering a higher yield. So, I mean, don't just go by whatever the yield is. You're going to need yeah. to read the fine print and see if they can put any kind of restrictions on when you can access your money or if they're going to pay, charge a penalty for being able to get to your cash. Very, Very important. important. Yep. Yeah. Important. All right. Well, guys, let's uh, take a take a quick break here, pay a few bills, and uh, we'll be right back. You're listening to Money Talks. And the bass keeps running, running, and 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 in this context, there's no disrespect. So when I bust my rhyme, you break your necks. We got five minutes for that. All right, we're back. You're listening to Money Talks. I'm Troy Harmon here with Casey Smith and Jarrett McKenzie. Enjoying an afternoon of, uh, well, it's really morning in the radio. Yeah, that's true. Radio land. (laughs) Radio land, are we going to really call it that? (laughs) Yeah, why not? That's Casey Smith, people. It wasn't me. Uh, Anyway, um, hopefully they (laughs) can hear that. There's not that many people listening. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) I just wanted to make sure all of our moms knew. That's right. That's right. Happy Mother's Day out there. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yeah, it is Mother's Day uh, weekend. 
I feel ashamed that we didn't talk about that earlier. But uh, anyway, guys, we do have questions to uh, to answer. And again, if you have your questions, financial questions, you'd like to have answered on the air, uh, you can contact us at uh, 770-429-9166, or you can email us at Dr. Gene with a G-E-N-E, Dr. Gene at Hensler.com, H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R. Uh, Again, if you want information about who we are and what we do and what we think and our philosophies, uh, you can go to our website, Hensler.com, and read all about it. Give us a call if you have questions that you'd like for us to answer specifically or on the air. So, uh, guys, we do have another question here, Casey and Basil uh, from Kennesaw. In our research, we came across Virtus Investment Partners. It seems like a solid company. Uh, pays a dividend, positive earnings, etc. Uh, we were looking to supplement our blue chip financials with something with growth potential. Would this fit the bill? Um, actually, is it, it is uh, expected by analysts to grow at over 35 percent, 37 and three quarters percent over the next three to five years. Problem that I have with these is uh, what it actually has done over the past five years is 15.75 negative and expected to go just the opposite direction. Usually, as a financial analyst, when I start talking about a company that's been losing and and I project it to go, you know, up at 35% annualized return uh, in the future, it looks kind of like a hockey stick when you make a chart out of it. And uh, I don't... Well, what are they expecting to come out with some kind of revolutionary new product or service? No, or, I mean, that, that's the other thing. This is a, uh, this is a business... That is kind of in the business we are. They've yeah. got mutual funds, closed-in funds, exchange-traded funds. So they've got ETFs, probably passive options and, and uh, active options as well. Uh, the closed-in funds are traded on uh, New York Stock Exchange. They've got uh, variable insurance funds and uh, other investment options as well. So um, when I expect that the stock market is going to grow at about 10.5% on average long-term, and the company is going to grow at 37 and three quarters. Yet, I, I know that this strategy, this this uh, investment uh, type company, has been under pressure lately. Um, I'm not so sure that I can get behind the notion that uh, that we're going to see that kind of growth. Um, you know, I talked a little bit earlier about the fact that uh, we see less volatility. We've got uh, machines basically trading the market. You got human emotion out of it. I don't believe it's gone. I really do believe that we're going to see. Uh, we saw it. It's been over a year now, but uh, we saw a 13% decline in about a two and a half month period back at the end of 2015. Mm -hmm. uh, those are the kind of things when when there's lots of doubt in the market. Um, you will see volatility kick back up. Now, the active manager is likely to win during those uh, situations, but we've seen so little of it now. Uh, everybody seems to get bolder and bolder that uh, that the, the overall market is the way to go because yeah, everybody's going to win. Diving into these passive investments uh, to the extent that, you know, it, it, I've read some articles and some analysts are projecting that there's sort of a bubble forming around passive investments. Mm -hmm. you know, yeah, we're the same. Right. Well, you know, there's it gives us that issue, the potential that, uh, you know, what are people going to do instead of uh, just pulling out of an individual stock here or there when things get bad. Uh, next time around, what are they going to do? Pull out, pull mm -hmm. their money out of the ETF 
This yeah. this yeah. Uh, could create more pressure than than we've seen in the past on the overall market. Uh, the other thing that I think it, that we haven't really thought through well enough is think about these companies that create these ETFs. You've got Vanguard and uh, BlackRock. Some of the there's like top three State Street. I think the top three uh, uh, providers of those exchange traded funds own well above 15. It's it's more on the on the par with 20 percent of the companies in the S&P 500. Yeah. They're voting the proxies. That to me that's a lot of responsibility and uh you've got uh you've got now that these big companies the investment firms um are basically controlling our market. They have potential mm-hmm. to. They do vote the proxies and they do talk about it, but they won't tell you exactly how they do it and what they're what they're voting for or against. Do they go with management every time? Uh you know, it gets tougher and tougher as we go down this road. Uh, to have activists come in and make differences that might be needed changes. You sure. know, we've seen these in the past, but yeah. uh, uh, my opinion is I think I think we haven't really thought through exactly uh, all the implications of more and more passive strategies in the market. Uh, I know we kind of swayed off the straight off the uh, the path there. Virtus Investment Partners symbol VRTS. Um, I'm not a huge fan. I, I uh, couldn't end my well, so right mining, what, what was the, you said the previous five-year performance was what? Negative 15 and three-quarter Well, percent. surely, I mean, I know 15 was a pretty stagnant year, but the previous five years have been a pretty good bit each year, right? I mean, that's a that's a total yeah. opposite. 13% so, in 2016. So as an investment management company, yeah, what does that say about, you know? They're, they're losing. They're, they're probably, like many other people in that active uh, mutual fund type market, um, sure. they're, they're losing assets under management is what I, you know, that's that's the story throughout basically. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I just don't think it's a good time to, to uh, do that. I think the analysts are probably a little bit too uh, rosy on the, the future of that particular business. I, I Again, though, I do believe that active management has a place, and I still think it's smart. Most of the active managers are going to be more conservative and try to save you from that downside uh, volatility when it does come. I wouldn't yeah. say if. I, it's going to show back yeah, up. Absolutely. It's not gone. Sure. Well, and the three of us have talked about that on the show before about you know active versus passive management, and absolutely. Whether, whether it actually makes sense to go out and try to beat the market, right? Um, you know, when when you can take an active approach, take less risk, get a comparable return, and then outperform on the downside. You know, why wouldn't you do that if you're exposed to less risk than you are in even invested in the market? Absolutely. So yeah. you know, it's 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 a debate that's widely had out there, especially with the market being up since '09, basically pretty much yeah. straight up since mm-hmm. then without very little pullbacks uh, right. other than some short-term blips. So. Yeah, one of the things you have to consider, like uh, the, the most recent downturn we had, 2007 and eight into 2009, the market was down uh, 57%. Yeah. When the market falls 57%, you have to make a return of 132%, I believe it is, if my math is right, to get back to zero, to where yeah. you were when you started that downturn. Uh, I think uh, some of the portfolios that we were looking at uh, with a client this week, we're showing that uh, the decline was more on on par with a 30 percent decline. Yeah. Still mm-hmm. hurts. It hurts bad, no sure doubt. Um, Let me but you, you have to make a 43 percent return yeah. to get back to it, zero. It takes a lot less time to make 43 percent than 130 <laughs> whatever. Yeah. So. Right. I, t- I tell clients all the time, it's much more meaningful on the downside to perform and outperform the market than it right. would be on the upside. I mean, you want to do well in an up yeah. market, but stay close. It's more meaningful on the downside. And so, you know, you know what, one of the things I'm seeing with clients right now, which is what I was going to ask quickly, because I know we're running out of time here, but 
let's say we got a we got a client that's hoarding cash, or maybe somebody has inherited some cash, which I've seen a couple of times lately. Markets at all time highs, roughly. What do you do with that cash? How quickly do you enter the market if that's the way in which you want to go with it? You know, there's a lot of debate back and forth, which I've been having with clients, and really more of a discussion to see where they're comfortable. I mean, do we do this monthly? Do we do this quarterly? What kind of increments do you do you really or should you maybe at this point uh, use as an investment strategy to enter in the market at its current levels? Yeah, the, the uh, a lot of it's going to depend on the independent or the individual situation for the client, but I do think that it's smart to make your uh, make your uh, dollar cost averaging lengthier in, in uh, times like this. Take a, take a slower approach. Try to get into the market, you know, whereas you might otherwise be trying to get in on a quarterly basis over a year. Uh, why sure. not move it out six months or another year? Make it two years. Uh, it, I don't think that it's, it's a bad idea. And I th- also think you ought to rebalance your portfolio before uh, you know, while you're you're uh, at a place where the market looks like it's at a premium, guys. Let's uh, we got to wrap this up. Tell me, Jared, market up or down? It's going up, up, up this week. Oh, it's going to definitely wow. be down now. Wow, that hurts. <laughs> All right, you know me, broken record, market's up. All material presented is compiled from sources believed to be reliable and current, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed. The contents are intended for general information purposes only. Information provided should not be the sole basis in making any decisions and is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified professional, such as a tax consultant, insurance advisor, or attorney. Although this material is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with respect to the subject matter, it may not apply in all situations. This is not to be construed as an offer to buy or sell any financial instruments. It is not our intention to state, indicate, or imply in any manner that current or past results are indicative of future profitability or expectations. Portfolio holdings discussed are subject to change. There is no guarantee that in the future these securities will be held in Hensler accounts. As with all investments, there are associated inherent risks. Please obtain and review all financial material carefully before investing. Hensler is not licensed to offer or sell insurance products. This overview is not to be construed as an offer to purchase any insurance products.